Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So it's that time of the year. It is currently June, and I have a lot of people in my practice who are beginning to go on vacation. And some of those vacations are just meant for fun, and some of those vacations conjure up a lot of feelings. And it runs the gambit in private practice in terms of what causes people to become anxious when they start to plan and think about vacation and vacations getting closer and the time getting closer to when a person leaves. Now, sometimes in my line of work, I will get people who have issues with transportation, like they feel like they get carsick or they feel claustrophobic about doing road trips, or it's very common also for people to have concerns about flying on an airplane. And what's interesting that most people might not know is that just because somebody has a sort of phobia about an airplane doesn't mean that they had a specific bad experience with an airplane. Now, granted, I have had people who come in and they were affected by some horrible thing that happened to them when they were in the airplane, like the turbulence was out of control or the oxygen masks came down or something happened that was out of the ordinary and caused their sort of fear about flying to take shape. That does happen. But a lot of times what a lot of people might not be aware of is that people have emotional issues that actually have nothing to do with, say, being on an airplane. And the airplane is just the place where a person becomes triggered. So, for example, a person who has spent their life with somebody else sort of controlling them and calling the shots and deciding everything for them might make that person feel like they are not in control or they are not in control of their destiny. And when they walk onto an airplane and somebody else is flying the plane, or for that matter, somebody else is in charge of their fate, getting them to a destination safely, their issues with somebody else being in control and somebody else being trusted to keep them safe might come up. And so I think even the world of psychology, not all psychologists recognize this. A lot of times you will have psychologists doing interventions about something like an airplane or a car, thinking that the person has a trauma related to the mode of transportation. And in fact, it's not that. 
It's about the mode of transportation being a trigger for psychological issues. And so that's kind of interesting as that comes up as we are in June and people are making their summer plans for vacation. Now, I've mentioned it earlier how people vacation differently. One person, their idea of a vacation is different than another person's idea of a vacation. And some people like to go on vacation and relax, and some people like to go on vacation and keep themselves busy and running around. And I myself can say that I've had both types of vacations. I've had the relaxing do-nothing type, and I've had the being in a city and trying to see all the sights type of vacation. Now, I think the way that vacations become neurotic is when people start posting on social media about their experiences and they begin to take photos and videos everywhere they go and suddenly it's not about being present and experiencing the vacation but it's about other people viewing them and how other people are going to respond so then what you have is somebody who's on vacation and not only are they not present because they're busy posting on social media but they are also going back and checking social media to see how other people are viewing their vacation and judging their vacation and commenting on their vacation and that ends up setting the tone for the feeling while being on vacation. It sets the tone for, oh, this person didn't respond, so they don't care about me, or this person said the wrong thing, or not enough people responded. And then the whole mood of everything that's happening while you're supposed to be enjoying yourself kind of falls apart. And so I would recommend avoiding making social media a big part of what you're experiencing. And if you can, try and post at least after the vacation is over and just enjoy as much as you possibly can while you are in the moment. Now, mainly the reason that vacation comes up in therapy is because this is the time of year when everybody goes back to where they grew up or back to where their family lives. A lot of times June is the month of weddings and so it ends up being a time for family reunions and sometimes actually family reunions are planned during the summer. And so these issues are what show up in therapy. People come and they are ready to take their trip and as the time gets closer it becomes oh crap I've got to go back and face my father or face my sister or face whoever in the family and then then people realize that although planning the vacation may have been happy and easy enough Actually, when it comes down to it, the family issues begin to emerge. And so that becomes a big topic of therapy. And then 
I find myself looking at how many sessions do we have before you go and trying to triage exactly what we can work on in the amount of time that we have before said vacation happens. And so I'm sure that anybody listening to this will know that you going somewhere over the summer and meeting up with family members with whom you have not seen in a while or spoken to in a while, and and maybe it's not even that. Maybe you speak regularly on the phone to family members, but this is the first time you're going to spend long periods of time face-to-face where you can't hang up the phone or you can't get away. And that's another thing. When people make the decision to go and see their family members, I always ask the question, well, what is the sleeping situation? Are you going to be in the same house with your family? Are you getting hotels somewhere else? And a lot of that sort of colors the experience because when you have an issue with a family member and then you go to stay in that family member's house, it can become a nightmare. And you cannot escape if you have any sort of conflict. If your family is highly conflictual and people get mad at each other and confront each other and yell at each other and it doesn't get resolved and then it feels uncomfortable and you can't escape, well, that makes it very unpleasant. And then on the other side of that is you might have a family that doesn't do well with conflict at all. And people make side comments or underhanded comments or they are passive aggressive and there's a weird kind of vibe that you end up having to deal with. There is a whole bunch of stuff that goes unspoken but creates a weird feeling in the house or it feels like the elephant in the room that is not being discussed and that becomes an issue while visiting family. And so that's one thing, dealing with long-standing issues and having to spend time with people in your family who cause you to feel unpleasant and cause you to feel stress and cause you to feel triggered. But the other thing that happens is that sometimes you might get together with family and visit family and you might forget how they act, particularly in situations like family reunions or weddings or some big gathering where somebody has a little too much to drink and then things get really awkward and then people say things that they regret and that becomes an issue. The other thing that happens outside of these sort of family conflicts is sometimes you will go back to a certain place or spend time with certain people from your past 
and you wind up getting triggered and you didn't even see it coming. And you might not even know what triggered you. You just know you're here at this place, you're here on vacation, you feel like you should be happy or you should be enjoying yourself at least and you're feeling kind of weird. You're feeling like something is off or a little depressed or a little anxious and you don't even know why. And sometimes it's not because something has happened. It's not because anybody has said anything to you. It's simply because you're back in this place and the last time you were in this place, you had this problem with your family member or you pass by a place that has a lot of memories attached to it or somebody is wearing something or doing something that reminds you of something from your past that you tried to put away and you can't. And so this happens a lot, particularly for people who either go back to where they were raised, the house that they were raised in, or the town or city that they were raised in, or just going back and seeing family members that have not all been together in a long time, or seeing family members that you haven't seen in a long time. And so that becomes very triggering and not always easy to predict because I think sometimes people, the longer they stay away from their childhood people and their childhood homes, they are able to create sort of a different version of the memories of that place and that time. Now, there's a fantastic book called When the Body Says No. And this is a book by Gabor Mate, who I have mentioned before, who writes a lot about trauma and its link to physical disease. And part of the work that he has done as a medical doctor is he has spent time with a lot of people who have fatal diseases or very serious diseases and he has been able to interview them about their lives and kind of see where they came from and where they are now in their illnesses. And he has a chapter in this book that discusses how people react when he asks about their childhood. And a lot of times people will say, I had a happy childhood. And that becomes sort of the stock answer. I had a happy childhood. We all got along. Everything was good. Everything was fine. And he, in his book, describes confronting a woman who described her childhood this way. And one of the things he says is, wait a minute, you were anorexic. You had an eating disorder for a couple of years when you were a teenager. Does that seem like a happy childhood? 
And it's this process of her trying to write it off as sort of like, well, these things happened and my, and my parents dealt with it the best they could. But after a while of them talking, you know, things get broken down and it turns out, yeah, the childhood wasn't exactly perfect. But I think we all do this to some degree. We have a couple of great memories, maybe even from childhood vacations or summertime, childhood stuff like going to the water park or being outside or eating a popsicle or something wonderful like that. And that's how we sort of characterize our childhoods as being those happy moments in time. And according to Gabor Mate, that that's actually not the case for a lot of people, that it wasn't all wonderful and rosy, even if we like to convince ourselves of that. And I think a lot of people convince themselves of that because maybe they didn't have anything obviously wrong in the family. Like nobody was an alcoholic, nobody got beat, nobody was emotionally abused, nothing super obvious and overt. But when we start to dig, when we're doing this kind of trauma work that psychologists and mental health professionals in the world of trauma do, we often find out that it's the more subtle stuff about maybe not being listened to or maybe getting the message that you weren't allowed to really talk about your feelings or maybe getting the message that you weren't allowed to talk about any sort of negative feelings, but positive feelings were okay. Whatever the family dynamic, there's a lot of history and pain there often, even if overall your idea of childhood is happy. And so these are the things that get conjured up when you go back and visit your childhood home and or your family of origin. And the other thing that happens is the folks whom I work with who have left their childhood home and don't go back very often. That maybe they go back once a year, every couple of years. Some people haven't gone back for 20 years. When they go back, they have become a different person. And you might go back and you might find, if you're one of these people, you might go back and you might find that all the things that you thought of were wonderful about where you grew up, the fun memories, the fun stuff that you did, you go back now and it's just not fun anymore. It just doesn't feel the same. The things that entertained you or made you happy when you were younger or before In many cases, you were more evolved, like in the case of anybody who went back before therapy and then went back after therapy. Things just don't look the same and they don't feel the same anymore. And so that ends up being kind of a bummer that things that entertained you once or made you happy once 
don't anymore because you just aren't the same on the inside anymore. And maybe it's because of therapy, and maybe it's just because you got older. And maybe that amusement park doesn't feel the same anymore 20 years later because you're not a kid anymore. It just doesn't interest you in the same way. And that can even happen with people that you might meet up with old friends from high school or some other time period and and you just don't click like you once did. You just don't have the same level of friendship that you once did because you became a different person by living away from home. And so that happens. And we have a saying for this, that you can never go home again. And that's kind of what it means, that your perception of how things used to be or how you think things are as you plan for your vacation, as you think about going on vacation back there, ends up being different than what the actual experience is. And the same thing happens even if you go to an unfamiliar place, but you go with your family of origin. You know, you all decide to take a trip to Europe or something like that. And you are traveling with your family, and then your mom does the same thing in the restaurant with trying to order for people and tell people what they like and what they need instead of just letting everybody decide for themselves or whatever it is, where while you are in the process of being on vacation with your family, the normal issues between family members just come up again. And, and even though you were on vacation and everybody is supposed to be having a good time, there it goes again. You find yourself, even though you might be in some wonderful place on the other side of the world, you find yourself super irritated with some member of the family. Maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a cousin. Whoever it is, you find yourself feeling the same old feelings and the place, the vacation place, not being able to solve the typical problems. And there's even a funny joke about this in sort of the climax of the Disney movie, The Incredibles, there's an argument between husband and wife. You know, they're about to save the world and the husband and wife superheroes start arguing about which route to take to get to saving the world and how they're going to avoid traffic on their way to saving the world. And they start to bicker about which way to go and what streets to take. And it's hilarious because we all know that's true, right? People begin to bicker about directions to a place, um, particularly about going on vacation. Well, I don't know if it's a good idea to go that way. And that doesn't seem like a good idea to go through that area of town or maybe this area is better or maybe that's not going to have enough 
of what we want to do and people start to bicker over the little things as well. But really, from a psychological standpoint, when people start to bicker about the ridiculous little things between them, really it's about the bigger things. It's about not being heard, not being listened to, not having your point of view, be taken seriously, whatever it is, vacation will often bring out issues no matter what. And I have even heard some of my clients say they're in a new romantic relationship and they want to go on vacation with their new partner. And I will often hear people say, well, this will be the test. My new partner and I are going to go on vacation and that'll be the test to see how we handle stress. And I believe that the first time you go on vacation with somebody in a new relationship, chances are you're not at that place yet where bickering becomes a thing. In fact, everybody's still usually behaving themselves. And then not only is everybody behaving themselves and trying to be their best and trying to impress the other person still, and you might try to impress the other person or you might still be in that state where you found that that your partner is still idealized in your mind. Well, going away to a beautiful place or a wonderful city usually doesn't conjure up a whole bunch of feelings. And so I don't think very often that bringing a new partner where things are already going super well to a wonderful vacation is really going to necessarily be that test that you want it to be. Now, if it's a new partner and things start off really good and then it gets really ugly on vacation with bickering and problems and you want to do one thing and your partner wants to do the opposite thing, well, yeah, that's probably a sign that this thing isn't going to work out between the two of you. But other than that, it's probably going to be okay. And there's a scene out of the movie When Harry Met Sally where Billy Crystal's character measures a relationship by whether somebody picks you up at the airport or not because people who have been together for a long time don't even bother anymore. So it's just kind of funny how all these vacation issues and these things at the start of summer always end up occupying a lot of time in therapy sessions. And so I would recommend that if you have thoughts, concerns, misgivings about going on vacation to see family or be with family or with a partner or any of that stuff, or even if you have worries about the mode of transportation, it is a good idea to bring it into the therapy office because it's not silly at all. Vacation conjures up a lot of issues for a lot of people. Be well, and thank you for listening.